Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Hey church, how are you? My name is Matt and I am the Grow Pastor here and I have the absolute privilege today of sharing a message with you straight out of the Bible. If you call Bright Church your home church, then we are just so happy that you decided to tune in today. My prayer is that you receive something fresh, that you receive something new from God. And if you have never listened to a sermon before, if you have never even listened or gone into a church service before, man, I am even more excited about you joining us. I pray that you feel so encouraged by what you hear today because I know in my heart that God loves you so much. And it doesn't matter if you're really, really close to God or you feel really, really far from God. His love for us is the same regardless of where we're at. So my prayer today is that after this message, that you will leave feeling a little bit more encouraged, feeling a little bit more loved by Jesus, and that you will feel full of energy to go out into this week, expecting things to be different, expecting things to be better. So I'm really excited about what God has put on my heart to share today. Um, It's something that I've thought about preaching on before, but I never had. And that's kind of because it's something that we don't hear about a lot these days. And it can be a bit of a controversial topic. So what I'm going to be preaching on is the fear of the Lord. That's right. The fear of the Lord. You have heard me correctly. The title of my message is Rewards for Reverence. We have to know that Jesus isn't just the saviour of our soul, but He is also Lord of our life. And when we develop a healthy reverence for Jesus, it brings about great blessing in our life. So I'm really hoping that you are so blessed about what you are about to hear. So I want to start off with a question. And that question is, have you ever felt to yourself, gosh, I feel like God just isn't hearing me. Have you ever felt that before? Or have you ever looked at others and thought, why is God answering all of their prayers? Why does God seem to be hearing them, but God isn't hearing me? Maybe you haven't thought really strong thoughts like that. Maybe you've just thought to yourself, why isn't God hearing me the way I expect Him to hear me? I think that's a really good question to ask because I do believe that sometimes there can be some barriers in our life for why God isn't hearing us maybe the way that we expect him to. So I'm a teacher as well as a pastor and I absolutely love teaching. Now I'm going to let you in on a little secret and this is the secret. Teachers do have selective hearing when it comes to their students. So if I am teaching my class and I have two students who are wanting help and one of the students has their hand up and they're showing me a lot of respect, they're showing me a lot of honour and they've just been listening to all of the teaching that I've just done, then I am going to not only help that student, not only hear them, but I'm going to enjoy doing it. Now, on the other hand, if I have a student who hasn't been listening to me at all, they've been showing me no respect, no honour, and they're calling out, they're distracting the other kids, they say, Mr. Wynn, Mr. Wynn, help me. 
Now, it's my duty. I'm, st I'm still going to go over. I'm still going to help them. But to be honest, who am I going to hear first? Who am I going to help first? Well, it's the student who's been showing me more respect and more honor. You see, when it comes to us and our relationship with God, when we revere God, God hears us. I want to share to you a few verses straight out of Scripture. In Psalm 138, verse 6, it says, For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. In Proverbs 3.34, it says, Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. In James 4.6, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now listen into this. In Hebrews 5.7, it says this about Jesus. He was heard because of his reverence. Jesus was heard because of his reverence. You see, the fear of God is mentioned in the Old Testament over 100 times. And in the New Testament, about 20 times. Now, when it talks about fearing God, it means having a healthy reverence for God or respecting God. It means someone who really honors God. King Solomon was the wisest man alive when he was king over Israel. And this is what King Solomon has to say. He says, wise people revere God. In Proverbs 1.7, King Solomon wrote this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord or reverence for God is the beginning of knowledge. Now, when I read that, I wonder to myself, how can that be true? Because I look around at the world and there are a lot of really smart people who don't believe in God, let alone have a healthy reverence for God. So how can that be true? There are a lot of incredible, incredible thinkers, amazing scientists out there who don't believe in God. I would consider them wise. But this Bible verse says the fear of the Lord is the beginning, beginning of knowledge. So how does that make sense? Well, I was pondering that and I was reminded of last semester. So last semester last year, I was studying a subject as a part of um, the Diploma in Leadership Ministry that I'm doing, and I submitted an assignment. Now, I was pretty confident because I'm someone who usually does pretty well when it comes to essays and assignments and things like that. Now, I'm about to blow your mind when I say this, but can you believe this? In year 12, I was actually awarded Ducks of the School. I know you're all clapping, you're all amazed by that because if you know me, you think that I'm a little bit of a, uh, well, you probably wouldn't think that I'm the smartest guy in the world. Uh, let me just say that. But hey, I actually did not too bad in year 12. And um, usually I do pretty well. I'm used to doing well in essays and assignments and things. So when I submitted this assignment, my expectation was that I was going to do well. So I was utterly dumbfounded when I got my result. And the result was a fail. I failed. And when I looked at it, my immediate thought was, who was the drongo that marked this assignment? That's what I thought to myself. I'm like, what? Surely they've gotten something wrong. But then when I started to read the assessor's feedback, it started to make sense. They said, this is a good piece of writing. You've referenced well. There are some really good ideas here but you have missed the point. You see, you can do a great piece of work 
but if you miss the point, you can still end up getting a fail. And I think that in this world, there are a lot of people who on the outside seem to be living really successful lives. It seems like they're doing a really great job, but maybe, just maybe, they're missing the point of what their life is all about. You see, I believe that our life is all about having a intimate relationship with God. So you can appear to be really smart and do really well, but if you don't know God, then maybe, just maybe, your life isn't as much of a success as you think it is. That's why I think it's possible for you to have a worldly knowledge, but at the same time, in the eyes of God, not be considered that wise. Many people have a lot of worldly wisdom, but have missed the point, and that's not wise. You can know everything, but if you don't know God, then what's the point in everything you know? That is why the fear of the Lord or reverence for God is the beginning of wisdom. You see, the problem today is that we have all of our fears mixed up. We fear things we shouldn't and we don't fear things we should. We fear tomorrow, yet we don't fear missing out on today. We fear the thoughts and the opinions of people yet we don't give a second thought to the thoughts and the opinions of God. There is good and bad fear. One of the biggest misplaced fears today is the fear of man. Don't let the fear of man direct your life. Let the fear of God direct your life. I want to read to you out of Luke 12, verses four to five. Now I'm going to introduce you to a Jesus um, that maybe you don't picture all the time. Because when we picture Jesus, we picture Jesus on the cross. We picture Jesus being really kind, really loving. And Jesus is all of those things. Jesus is so loving, more loving than you could possibly imagine. He is more kind than you could ever comprehend. But also if you read the gospels closely, every now and then we get introduced to what I like to call savage Jesus. And in Luke 12, verses 4 to 5, we read a little bit about savage Jesus. Now, this is what savage Jesus has to say in chapter 12. In verse 4, he says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. Now, get this. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. I told you it was intense. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Now, Jesus, he's just trying to make a point here. He's saying, guys, you worry so much about what people think. You fear what people think about you, yet you don't even care or give second thought to the person who has authority to deal with your soul after you die. And I tell you right now, if I'm going to choose who am I going to fear out of people and God, it's more smart for me to have a healthy fear or a healthy reverence and respect for God. I want to read to you a few quotes. Oswald Chambers says this, The remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. William Gurnall says, We fear men so much because we fear God so little. B. 
Benjamin Franklin said, Fear God and your enemies will fear you. There are two characters in the Bible, two kings of Israel. One of them was incredibly successful and the other one, well, his life was a bit of a disaster. I'm talking about King Saul and King David. Now, let me tell you a little bit about King Saul. King Saul was the type of person who cared way too much about what people thought about him. And because of that, he never really pleased God. And because of that, he was very, very insecure. This is what it has to say about King Saul and his reign. It says that God actually regretted making Saul king. Can you believe that? God, it actually says that God regretted making Saul king. The reason why Saul didn't make a good king, the reason why things didn't go good for him was because he didn't have a healthy reverence for God and he cared too much about what people thought over what God thought. Now, this second person that I'm going to introduce you to was the opposite to this. And I'm talking about King David. So you've probably heard of King David before. King David was the one who slayed Goliath with a pebble. King David was awesome. And everybody loved King David. Now, the weird thing is, is that everyone loved King David, yet King David didn't really care what everyone thought about him. And yet everyone still loved him because King David had his priorities right. King David feared God and he didn't necessarily care so much about the thoughts and the opinions of people. And this is what it says about King David. It says that King David was a man after God's own heart and God established a covenant with King David, where he said that his dynasty would last forever. David was blessed forever by God. Now, David did have a downfall. He didn't get it right all the time. And when he was getting a little bit older in his age, he made a big mistake. He slept with Bathsheba. You've probably heard the story before. So King David one day looks out from his balcony and he sees Bathsheba. Now Bathsheba, Bathsheba sorry, was married and had a husband, yet David saw something he wanted, so he took it. And worse than that, after committing adultery, King David then had Bathsheba's husband killed. Now this is what amazes me about this story. When King David is found out, when God says, sends a prophet to call David out on what he's done, David's response is to get down on his knees and repent. And he doesn't care about what people think. He doesn't care about looking good. He says, I have sinned against God. You see, David cared what God thought more than he cared what anybody else thought. David had a healthy reverence for God. And because of that, not only was he blessed, but the generations after him, his line was blessed forever. In fact, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ came from the line of David. I am telling you today, if you want to set yourself up and your family up, then develop and cultivate a healthy reverence for God. Stop worrying so much about what everyone else thinks. And it's time to start worrying more about what God thinks. As you see, comparing David and Saul, it was the king with more reverence who got the greater reward. Fearing God leads to great things. Fearing God leads to great things. Reverence for God leads to great things. Please don't think of it as a negative thing. 
I'm here to tell you, when you revere God, your faith gets stronger and your peace goes deeper. When you have a healthy reverence for God, your faith is stronger and your peace goes deeper. Let me explain this to you. Who are you more likely to trust with your life out of these two characters? Number one, Liam Neeson from Taken. Yep, Liam Neeson from Taken. If you haven't seen that movie, this illustration's gone right over your head. But for those who have seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Liam Neeson from Taken. He's the first one. Would you trust Liam with your life? Or would you trust, now wait for it, Mr. Bean? Who are you more likely to trust with your life? Liam Neeson, the all-powerful, or Mr. Bean, the fun, kind guy? Who are you more likely to trust? Now, I'm going to venture a guess that 99% of you didn't need to think about it and you said, yeah, duh, Liam Neeson. And there's another 1% of you who aren't taking this seriously enough and that's why you chose Mr. Bean. But the reason you chose Liam Neeson is because you have a reverence for Liam Neeson. Now, where does that respect, where does that reverence come from? It's because you understand that Liam Neeson has power and authority. And because you recognize that he has power and authority, you're more likely to put your life in his hands. You see, when we start to understand the power and the authority of Almighty God, when we start to understand that, we cultivate a reverence for God and we feel safer with God. And when you feel safer with God, you're going to have more peace in your heart. Not only that, is when you start to understand the power and the authority of your God, your faith is going to become stronger because you're going to start to realize that the God who loves you, that sent His one and only Son for you, is almighty, He is all powerful and therefore He can shift things for you in your life. The people who have the greatest peace in their heart, the people who have the strongest faith are the people who have a reverence for God, which comes from understanding the power and the authority of God. Faith and peace don't just come from believing that God loves you. Faith and peace comes from believing that God loves you and understanding God's power and authority. You see, there are a lot of Christians who are well aware that God loves them, but their peace and their faith aren't as strong as they could be because they fail to realize the power and the authority of God that goes with that love. It's about time that we started to understand that our God is no pushover, that our God is strong, that our God is mighty and He is able to move things in our life. He is able to keep us safe when we feel like our world is crashing down all around us. You need to understand today that your God isn't any God. Your God doesn't just love you, but your God has the power, the dominion and the authority to shift things in your life. Reverence for God leads to greater peace and faith. But let's get real for a second. If I all of a sudden said, hey, start revering your parents. 
You don't revere your parents enough. You don't have enough respect for them. If I said, hey, just, hey it's, it's about time you started revering your parents when you don't, you would look at me and you would think, why? Or how? And rightly so. Because reverence isn't something you can just turn on. Reverence is birthed from an experience. When you encounter almighty Jesus, you can't help but revere Him. And this is awesome because reverence leads to obedience, which produces radical transformation in your life. I loved God for a very long time. Ever since I can imagine having memories, even when I was a little kid, man, I always loved God. And a lot of us have grown up always kind of loving God or having a relationship with God. Maybe you're not one of those people, but I know for a lot of Christians who grew up in Christian homes, I mean, a lot of us for most of our life have believed that Jesus loves us and that He's there for us. And I believed that for a long time. But it wasn't until I started to understand just who Jesus is and I developed a reverence for God that my life really started to change. At the end of year 12, things started to kind of spiral out of control for me. And I think one of the reasons things started to spiral out of control is because I didn't have that healthy respect for God that maybe I should have. And after about four years, honestly, I was just in a really dark place. I was in a really bad place. But God loved me so much. He decided that He was going to reveal Himself to me in a new way. Jesus decided that He was going to show up in my life in a radical way. And I had a fresh encounter with Jesus. I was saying before that so often we can picture Jesus on the cross. We can picture Jesus as a man walking around healing people, being nice to people. But this fresh encounter that I had with Jesus made me see Jesus in a new way. All of a sudden, I started to recognize the power and the authority and the dominion that Jesus had. And this is what it did to me. It brought me to my knees. It brought me to my knees. And I started to repent of the life that I had been living, which wasn't honoring God at all. And I'm here to tell you, it's when you encounter God and develop a reverence for Him, man, that brings you to your knees. And it is on your knees that breakthrough happens. And my life changed dramatically after that moment. I want to read to you out of Isaiah because I want to give you a picture of who Jesus is. Remember right now, Jesus isn't on the cross anymore. Jesus isn't in the tomb anymore. Jesus isn't walking around this earth as a man anymore. Jesus has been glorified. Jesus has ascended and He is seated on His throne. So I want to read to you out of Isaiah in chapter 6. And I want to read verses 1 to 8. And I want to paint for you a picture of just how incredible and how mighty and how powerful Jesus is. 
You see, Isaiah was a prophet of God and he had this vision of King Jesus. And this is what it says. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I just want you to imagine Jesus in this way for a second. Jesus is sitting on his throne. His throne is massive, as big as a skyscraper. And then he is wearing his robe and his robe is so great and so awesome that the tail of it goes on for miles and miles. And under the feet of Jesus is the universe, the earth and everything in it. This is how great, this is how mighty Jesus is in this vision. It goes on to say, above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings and with two he covered his face and with two he covered his feet and with two he flew and one called to another. Now these seraphim that are being explained here, they are heavenly creatures. So imagine Jesus on His throne, looking powerful, looking mighty. And not only that, but around Him are these heavenly creatures. And also there are angels, thousands of angels all around Him. And all of the heavenly creatures and all of the angels are crying out with a loud voice in verse 3. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Imagine it, Jesus on His throne, the angels, the heavenly creatures crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. In verse 4, it goes on to say, And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of Him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. You got to understand that Jesus is so powerful and so mighty that the very words that he is speaking are shaking the foundations. When Jesus was in the desert for 40 days, he overcame Satan. He overcame our enemy. How? By the words that came out of his mouth. That is how powerful Jesus is. Now, this is how Isaiah responds to all of this. And I think that this is how we should respond when we get this image of Jesus. Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I tell you, when you encounter Jesus, when you encounter the King of Kings, the Sovereign Lord, you can't help but fall to your knees and say, woe is me. You can't help it. You're brought to your knees in reverence because you are in, in the presence of the King. And Isaiah starts to repent. Now in this moment, we could think that Jesus would just say, get out of my presence, Isaiah, leave. And we could think that when we encounter Jesus in all of his might, that He would just not have time for us or want to push us away. But this is what happens. It says in verse 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. You see, 
When you get on your knees before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lord Jesus, when reverence brings you to that humble place of repentance, this is how Jesus responds. He reaches out, He touches you, and the holiness, the purity that is on Him, it gets on you. Your junk, your sin, your mess ups, your mistakes, all of that darkness that you may feel inside of you, that doesn't get on Jesus. No, 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 no. The purity, the goodness of Jesus, it gets on you. He makes you clean and He heals you. That is how good our Jesus is. He is so powerful. He is so mighty that when we just humble ourselves before Him, when we repent, He reaches out, He touches us and He sets us free. You see, first we see God like Isaiah did. Then when we properly see God, we develop a reverence of reverence for God and that brings us to our knees in repentance. And that is met with forgiveness and healing. A changed life is the outcome of, of encountering the risen King, Jesus, repenting, and given Him our life. When we develop a reverence for Jesus, it completely changes our life. So right now, I just wanna give everyone at home an opportunity. Now you could be in the room right now. You could be with your spouse, with your partner, with your kids, I don't know where you're at. Uh, or maybe you're just on your own right now. But it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you have around you. This is a moment between you and God. So if you want to respond to this message, all you got to do is just recognize it in your heart and just whisper in your mind, God, I'm responding to this. Or you can put up your hand or you can even get on your knees if you want. But if you want an opportunity to acknowledge Jesus as sovereign Lord of your life for the first time, this is it. And this is the response. If you want to acknowledge Jesus, not just as your saviour, but you want to acknowledge, his, acknowledge Him as Sovereign Lord, then this is your moment. And this is how you know if maybe you've been living a life where you haven't been honouring Him as much as maybe you should have, this is how you know if this is for you. You know it if you have been giving more weight to the thoughts and the opinions of people over the thoughts and the opinions of God. If you wanna make the thoughts of Jesus your number one priority, then this is for you right now. This is your chance to respond. So if you're at the point where you feel as though you need to repent of the way you've been living and maybe you've been living a life that is all about you, that's all about others and it's not all about God, then this is your moment. So recognize it right now in any way that you want and I'm just gonna pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much that you love us more than we could possibly know or ever imagine. Jesus, you are so good. And I just totally believe with all of my heart that when we encounter you, it leaves us changed forever. And Jesus, I think sometimes we can get the wrong idea about you in our head. Sometimes we could recognize that you are a really loving God and that you're kind, but sometimes we forget that you're also God. You are also powerful. You also have dominion. You are also in control. So today, I just pray for every single person who is recognizing that maybe 
Jesus, they've seen you as their Saviour, but they haven't really seen you as Sovereign Lord of their life. Jesus, in this moment, I pray that you just go to them where they're at. I pray that you reveal all of yourself to them. Jesus, I pray that they feel so encouraged and empowered to live a life that honours you. Jesus, I pray for every single person who struggles with the fears and the opinions of people. God, sometimes we can worry more about what people think rather than what you think. And Jesus, right now, I just pray that we would start to put greater weight in what you think over what others think. And God, I just pray that you would release people from a spirit or a mindset that is so focused on the thoughts of people rather than on what you think. God, you are so good. And I just know that you've done something fresh in all of our hearts through this message. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.